This is your Friday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Plenty to get to today. Tyler Dunn, football writer who I've liked for quite some time, used to cover the Packers, has done his own thing lately. He will be joining me here in just a little bit to help us break down the Aaron Rodgers situation. What's going on in Green Bay? He's got a lot of good inside sources, a lot of good insights into what's going on there, and uh, wasn't afraid to uh, you know to to share his opinions and also his insights into that situation and others in the NFL right now. So hope you look forward to and enjoy that conversation here in just a little bit. Also got some twins numbers that I want to get to, some pitching promises that were made and not kept. But first, what did I miss? Bill Guerin, Wild GM, had his end-of-year news conference Thursday. Our Sarah McClellan was there, as well as other writers. I think Bill Guerin, you know, by and large, has done a really good job. I, I don't think we can quibble with a lot of the decisions he's made. He got Kirill Kaprizov over here. Obviously, uh, you know, that wasn't someone he drafted, but he got him here, got him into this system, and uh, that that's worked out tremendously this year. Cam Talbot signed him as a number one goalie. That that worked out really well in year one. Huge, huge piece of why the Wild was able to make the playoffs and get to a seventh game this year. So a lot of good moves, a lot of good secondary moves to add depth, things of that nature. But I do have to take exception with one thing that Bill Guerin said Thursday. I mean, he said a lot of the right things, talking about, you know, locking up Joel Erickson Eck, you know, locking up Kaprizov, locking up Kevin Fiala being the cornerstones of this franchise, negotiating with their agents, you know, to try to work out fair deals. I like all that. But, but, Talking about frontline centers, number one center, the thing that everybody knew this year the Wild needed. And let's be fair, you know, it's a hard thing to find. You're not going to try to just, you know, you're not, you you can't just make a deal to make a deal. You, you got to find the right deal. I get that. Um, but that was clearly a deficiency all year and clearly a deficiency in the playoffs when the Wild had a hard time generating offense against, especially against some of Vegas's top players. So here's the quote from Bill Guerin. We're not going to overextend ourselves just to satisfy a public perception that we need a number one center. We're not going to do that. Okay, I'm neutral on that because overextend, I don't want them to overextend, right? You don't want them to make a deal that's a bad deal just to just to go out and get a Jack Eichel. You know, if you're going to mortgage the future, if you're going to put yourself in bad salary cap position, like that, that's not what you want to do, right? So I, I get that. You don't want to overextend yourself. He's saying we're not going to make a bad deal just to just to get a number one center, but it's not just public perception that they need a number, number one center. They need a number one center. They just do. So him framing it as a public perception thing, I have a little bit of a problem with that. Second thing, he also said this, no, we don't have to do anything. I think we proved this year that if you play as a team and you have people on each line driving offense that you don't need that number one guy. I think they proved that in the regular season for sure. And again, this was a short and regular season against a lot of teams in the West that weren't very good. But granted, they did show that they could have balance. The four lines worked, that it didn't necessarily matter who was driving the offense and, and who was that, that that number one center. They didn't really have you know, that bona fide number one going into the year. Erickson X certainly grew into that role a little bit by default. I think in a perfect world, he's more of a number two, um, you know, especially with his defensive game. But he definitely grew in that role. But the thing I take exception to is, they do need that in the playoffs. You, you need someone who's going to elevate their play, someone in the someone in the postseason who can elevate that level of play and be that bona fide number one center. X Neck was very good in the playoffs. I'm, I'm not saying he wasn't. You need another. You need another one of that caliber and higher if you're going to be serious in the postseason. So 
I think Garen probably knows that. Um, I, I think he's just kind of posturing right now and saying we're not gonna, you know, we're not gonna just make a deal to make a deal. But I think he knows in his heart of hearts that at some point in his tenure, and maybe it's not next year, maybe next year is still kind of this building up process, this evaluation process as they deal with, you know, money that has to go out to to you know to to pay some of these young top guys and a flat salary cap. Maybe he's setting expectations and managing expectations, but sooner or later, if they are going to be a team that's going to do anything in the postseason, they need to solve the number one center spot. Maybe that's again, maybe that's two years down the road. But if, if Bill Guerin doesn't think that's a priority at some point, he's kidding himself. And I don't think he does. I think he's I think he's talking this through and being patient. Uh, but I do take exception to the idea that they don't need that because they certainly, certainly do need that. And I think this year's playoffs prove that more than anything else. I'm Nyla Jean Myers, Senior Assistant Sports Editor at the Star Tribune. Thank you for listening to Strip Sports Daily Delivery. This work is made possible by our Star Tribune subscribers. For unlimited access to the articles mentioned in this podcast and our coverage of Minnesota sports from pros to preps, go to startribune.com slash subscribe. Really happy to have Tyler Dunn on Daily Delivery today. Tyler has covered the Packers in the past, has done a whole bunch of other good stuff on the NFL, and right now has his own site, newsletter, golongtd.com. You should definitely subscribe to that. Check it out. He writes a lot of long-form pieces on the nfl really gets into depth on a lot of subjects so it's kind of not your not your typical uh you know rip and read he gets into the into the into the weeds on some really good in-depth stories so happy to have tyler on to, to get to a number of subjects tyler how you doing today it's great to be here man D- doing good thanks so much for for the plug it's been a lot of fun and uh yeah never uh it never ends right i mean pro football it's I mean, here we are in, in June, and there's so much to talk about, so it makes our jobs fun. It does, um, and part of the, you know, I, I wanted to catch up with you regardless, but I think part of the the timing of this is, you know, here we are post-June 1st, which, you know, we you know, anybody who, you know, gets into the weeds a little bit on the NFL kind of knows that's the, you know, the salary designation. That's when, you know, some trades, if they're ever going to happen, could start to happen, and we've had this Aaron Rodgers thing kind of, lingering you know pretty much even beyond draft night but really picked up draft night with Adam Schefter reporting that he's you know dissatisfied to the point that he would like out of Green Bay and I don't think that notion has gotten knocked down very far since then give me you know I know you're not immersed in it right now but you covered Aaron Rodgers for four years give me kind of your lay of the land on how how we got here I guess or you know personality wise help 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 explain maybe from your perspective how we got to the point where an MVP doesn't want to play for this team anymore. Because it is crazy outside looking in, right? Like it and, is, and, and it's crazy it is. from the inside too. It's, it's, it's crazy like, to think a team doesn't want or, or, or would think about a succession plan to someone who's still playing at such a high level. But that's a, that's a, that's a question for another time here. You're right. There, there's a lot of ways to look at this. I, the best way I can describe it would be, you know, you've got these two converging forces. I mean, you've got a team, since 92 when Ron Wolf kind of completely resurrected the franchise that operates a certain way. I mean, they are old school, you know, it's the GM is going to pick the players. There is that one voice, that one decider. Ted Thompson didn't say a heck of a lot as GM, but that was one thing he would say, like he has the final say like Ron Wolf had before him. So from Wolf to Thompson to Brian Gutekunst, that, that that is the person in, in charge picking the players the coaches coach the players they have some input but 
you know, they, uh, and, and granted, it's a little different communication wise. They both report to Murphy, but the structure of the organization is what it is. And the players play, um, you know, I, I think that they do talk to players, but it's not, you know, bring Aaron Rodgers into the office, hand him a glass of scotch and ask him, you know, who we're going to keep. That's just not the way they do business at all, nor should it be like, and I, I think Aaron Rodgers is at a point in his career, his life, similar to Brett Favre uh, before him, where he looks around and he sees stadium renovations. He sees the title town district adjacent to Lambeau field. He sees the financial impact and the business of football and all of this. And I'm, and we're putting words in his mouth because he isn't really talking for himself at all. So, you know, don't even feel bad about it. Right. <laughs> right. Except on sports um, center, but that, that was more of a, yeah, it was kind of a re- word salad. That was more of a read between the lines than a, here's what I'm going to say. Exactly. Exactly. So I think he's looking around and saying, you know what? I, I should have a little bit of say around here. So th- th- that's one of the conversion factors. And then you have his personality and, and he is a guy that when he has a grudge, he doesn't lose that grudge. I mean, it's part of what makes him special. It makes him a three-time MVP. You know, the smallest little thing can piss him off and he'll use it and he'll make you pay. And they drafted a quarterback because they're thinking long-term. They're looking out for the best interest of the franchise. And, and we can get into that if you want. I think there's a lot of factors there. But I, I think in his mind, as a grudge holder, as somebody who, you know, can't look past that, it's just a recipe for – you know, disaster, but like you could call this disaster. Nobody thought it'd get to this point. It shouldn't have got to this point. Which is right. That's the interesting thing. And it, the, the succession plan, it, it makes sense on paper. It makes sense even more when you consider this worked when they brought Aaron Rodgers and when they drafted Aaron Rodgers. Now, granted, that got messy and that was a three year, you know, three years of Brett Favre still starting. And I think, I don't think anybody would argue, uh, Aaron Rodgers right now playing at a higher level than Brett Favre was, I think back in the mid, mid to late two thousands when they, when they drafted Aaron Rodgers. but this has worked for them before. So it it seems less crazy when you say, well, we have the blueprint. This is this, this has worked before, but do do you think there was a, a miscalculation? Do you think Aaron Rodgers looked at this and said, you, you kind of, you kind of put, you kind of set this in motion. And he even kind of said this in the sports center piece or segment, where it's kind of like he thought, they were ready to move on from him after this past season, but then he played so well that it kind of changed their timeline a little bit. How do you, how do you read that? Do you think that in a, in an ideal world or in, in their kind of in their thinking green Bay was ready to be onto Jordan love right now? Or, or do you think that this has gotten accelerated because Aaron Rodgers has gotten upset? I think they would like one more season to work with Jordan love they drafted him, you know, on upside. And I get the pick because if you're a team that's always making the playoffs, it's always picking between what 20 and 32, you're not going to have a shot at a franchise quarterback in the top five, top 10. And you've got to look out for your team. You've got to look out for your franchise. You don't want to get stuck with Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston battling it out in training camp. The saints have always been good. And they decided to just kind of let breeze go until breeze didn't want to play anymore. And that's one way to go about it. I mean, they did make the playoffs and, then his arm basically fell off. I don't think the Packers wanted to be the Saints. They, they didn't want to be that team just, just hanging on. They wanted to have a plan in place, like you said. When they took Aaron Rodgers in 05, Farber was off a 4,000-yard, 30-touchdown, 10-6 and six season. That was a really good offense. It ticked off Favre. Now, do they want to wait three seasons like they did then? I, I don't know. I, I get the sense they want to wait one more because he is so raw. But they took him because – of that upside because he's got a big arm. He's athletic. 
Um, he can do the things like a modern quarterback has to do. Now, it wasn't pretty all the time at Utah State, but that was part of the gamble. Like, all right, we don't pick, we don't pick up there very often. This is a guy that if, if it works out, he is somebody that should have been picked up there. Let's take him, develop him. And Aaron Rodgers basically said, I'm going to go win an MVP. Um, but, you know, what kind of gets lost like, is like in 19, there were some signs in Aaron oh, Rodgers. Yeah. You're right. I mean, that week 17, uh, or they won. I'm sorry. They beat Detroit, but it wasn't pretty. He was very inaccurate, especially in the first half. They get blasted in the NFC Championship game. Aaron Rodgers was not very good. And in that game, I had a player tell me that he went up to Matt LaFleur and said, yeah, I'm going to call the plays in the second half. Like, this is my show now. I've got it. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I don't think that relationship is as uh, hunky-dory as they make it out to be. And if you're Green Bay and, you know, he's going to be 40 years old soon, I get it. I totally get it. And now he wins MVP and you can make the argument they should just trash whatever plan they had in the first place. But hey, this is an injury prone quarterback who's still getting older. What happens if he goes out there and, you know, it, it starts regressing again and you just gave up on Jordan Love? Yeah, that's a very good point. And, you know, to the to the point of how long do you wait on Jordan Love? I mean, when they drafted Aaron Rodgers, the quarterback economy was a little different. We didn't have this kind of draft slot. You, you kind of had you know, you didn't have the, the you know, the, the natural slotting in and you we've, we've come to realize in the last decade how valuable it is to have that rookie or you know, that that high end quarterback on a rookie scale uh, contract. And you don't want to you know burn most of that contract waiting for Jordan Love to develop or, or waiting to see, you know, what what might become of the Aaron Rodgers situation. But he did play at such a high level. And then you, you kind of wonder that's the scenario where had they picked somebody else in the first round, would that have been the difference maker to get them over the top and get them to the Super Bowl? Because that was such a close game against Tampa Bay. So, so many tentacles to it. You, you alluded to this a minute ago, but just Aaron Rodgers personality. How much do you think that, you know, would a, would a different quarterback be able to handle this differently? Yeah. I mean, he, what kind of gets lost in it is the ball's in his hands. It's literally in his court. Like as long as he plays well, you know, he's the quarterback. He can force them to trade Jordan Love. So it's a little odd that, you know, he doesn't just say, you know, who's this rookie? Who's this young kid out of Utah State? Screw him. I got this. I'm going to be the quarterback forever. So it does speak to his personality because it's not about winning. They've got a roster that was close to winning the Super Bowl. Like, He's maybe one of the best roster in football. It's not about money. They want to pay him more than any other quarterback in the league. It's about that personality stuff. It's about something he can't get past with Brian Gutekinds. He, he was, you know, praising everybody with Kenny Mayne, right? Yeah. The players, coaches, the fans. Yeah. He omitted the GM. Sure and there's, that just speaks to a personality, personality conflict. Those Jerry Krause text messages yeah. that he's sending, 100% true. Okay. And – a player told me that's, you know, that's child's play, basically, to some of the other stuff he has said. So <laughs> it's only going to get worse if they let this drag on. And at some point, yeah, he's the MVP. Yeah, he's unbelievable talent. And you put up with a certain amount of BS because he's so good. I get it. I mean, you do that with any player in any sport. But at some point, if this gets into training camp, you have a team to run. Like, it, you, you have to move on and say enough is enough if you're the Packers. So they're not there yet. Um, but we'll see if, if this leaks into August man, it's going to get heated up. I want to ask you about Jordan love in a minute. Cause you just wrote about him. Um, interesting piece and just kind of, you know, maybe the thing we're not thinking about is man, what if this guy is great right away and they were right all along, but uh, just in terms of Rogers, do you have like a, if you had a crystal ball, like how does this get resolved? Does he, does he just say, you know what? Okay. 
fine. I don't have as much leverage as I might like. I'll, I'll play the one more season. I won't be happy about it, but I'll, I'm a professional. I'll go put it out there. Does he retire for a year? Does he carry the grudge that far? Does he force them to trade him? If you had a guess, what do you think is the, what do you think is the resolution to this? Well put there. It's going to be one of those options. I, I tend to think that he is sincerely dug in and he is willing to retire if the Packers push him to that point. And it's crazy to say it. Like he should just play. He's got three years left on his contract. They want him to be the quarterback. They want him to pay. They want to pay him more than any other quarterback. They have talent. It's such a myth that they don't have talent around him. You think he would just play, you know, if, if he loves his teammates, if he loves the fans so much, do it for them. I, I do think though, if it got to this point, and that Yahoo report is true, and it has to 100% be true because he didn't do anything to quiet that with Kenny Mayne. Right. He, he needs the GM to be out for him to be back. I don't see that changing. I don't see him changing in his mind. This is somebody who cuts people out of his life and doesn't talk to those people again. Um, that's a whole other story. But yeah. I'm just saying with the team and with the GM, I, I tend to take him – uh, at, at his word, you know, via anonymous sources, I, I think this is legit. And I think he'll miss games. He's willing to lose money. He's willing to do whatever it takes to get out. This isn't Russell Wilson upset for 24 hours. Then this is someone who's uh, upset for years. Um, yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, Jordan love. I mean, the, the thing that, you know, Vikings fans are, are giddy right now, basically with the prospect of everything turning over, blowing up, you know, Aaron Rodgers has been a nemesis before that Favre, obviously, except for the years where Favre was here. Um, now one of the years Favre was here. Um, so the thing that people here probably aren't really conditioned to, to think right now is, well, man, Jordan Love could be really good. This just could be another 10 to 15 years of, of you know, more of this excellence at quarterback. You, you reported a thorough story on Jordan Love. Obviously, he's raw. We don't know exactly what, what he's got, especially because very limited last year because of the pandemic, but what, what, what did you come away with thinking about his future and, and, and where he might fit in this succession plan? It was a weird rookie year, you know, no rookie camp, no OTAs, no mini camp training camp, you know, his head's, you know, spinning and he's trying to learn this offense on the fly. And then all regular season, he was on the scout team. He was pretending to be other quarterbacks. So I don't think, up until this point, anybody even in Green Bay knows what he really is as a professional quarterback. Um, so for that story that you referenced, I, I tried to talk to everybody who does know uh, his personal quarterbacks coach, Steve Calhoun. He's worked with Cam Newton, Russell Wilson before, and he's actually more of a coach to him. He's kind of a mentor. When Jordan Love's dad tragically passed away, he kind of filled some of that role uh, for Jordan. And, you know, they, they've been working every day. I mean, he's in Green Bay now, Jordan Love is, but out in California every day they're working Matt LaFleur was sending plays and drills out they had cameras right on the field they're breaking it down so whether it's him whether it's teammates whether it's David Yost one of his college coaches um, Mark Ross who was uh, in NFL front offices for 20 years he loved Jordan Love out of college everybody kind of comes back to the same theme that this is somebody who does his best under the lights in a game setting when he can improvise when he can kind of like shuck a guy off with one arm, chuck it across his body, rely on these, these, these rare, rare physical attributes that, that he has. So you don't see that in practice. You can't see it on a scout team. And I, I think that that's why they took that gamble on him is like, you know what? You can go out there and draft a, a Kellen Mond, a, a Kyle Trask or a second rounder or a third rounder. And you, maybe you, you hope, but guys, 
typically if you're not a top 15 pick, you're not going to be a long time, long-term starter in the NFL. He's got those rare traits to him though, that you absolutely should gamble on. Now, where does the coaching come into play? I think they do have a very quarterback friendly system. The supporting cast comes into play. I think they have a great supporting cast. You can talk yourself into Jordan Love being the guy long-term. We just haven't seen it. It's hard for me to even come out and say the guy's absolutely going to be a perennial pro bowler, but I think that he's got the mental temperament to handle stepping into those shoes. Nothing really phases him. And I think he has some physical traits to him that are, are just rare. I mean, he has one of the best arms in, in football, just on the Packers to use it. Yeah. man. you know, I, I mean, bottom line is if, if something happened with Rogers and they either traded him or he just didn't play this year, I don't think Jordan Love's going to play at an MVP level, which is what they got last season, but we shouldn't discredit the fact that they could get very good quarterback play this year. Cause even when Rogers came in, I think the Packers struggled in 08, but it wasn't for long and it wasn't necessarily Rogers fault. And by 09, they were back in the playoffs right away uh, in his, you know, his second year as a starter. So interesting to see how that all plays out. Now, Tyler, you wrote a while ago, can't remember exactly when it was. It was probably with the, at the, one of the, earlier things you probably wrote on your site it was a bigger vikings piece it, it kind of went in deep on mike zimmer and the relationship with players and just kind of the nature of his coaching this is an interesting year for mike zimmer i'd say you know coming off disappointment of seven and nine you've got the Kirk cousins quarterback you know future kind of hanging over you rick spielman's been here for a long time as you look out to the Vikings landscape in 2021, which, you know, is partly tied to the Aaron Rodgers situation. Let's be honest they become much bigger threats to win the division. If, if that is resolved in a certain way, but as you just evaluate this team and where they're at right now, what, what do you see, especially knowing kind of what you know about Mike Zimmer and, and the, the pressure he might be under this year? He is that old school Bill Parcells, hard driving force that was needed, right? He zapped the culture there. They needed it in the worst way. But it, it kind of the message kind of ran dry after a while. A lot of those players get older. A lot of those players leave. You bring in new players and you got to kind of get that message through again. So I think that while that message did kind of get old with some of those guys that aren't there anymore, bringing in, I mean, the defense is completely new. I mean, yeah. they didn't have OTAs in minicamp to implement his defense, which, which puts so much strain on DB specifically. But I, I will say this, that like, I think that, having new faces, it's like, okay, they're hearing this for the first time they're getting this old school coaching for the first time. And the guys I talked to are like, it doesn't bother me. I, I love it. I, I like it. I, I think that this, this can work. So that gives you a little bit of hope that that defense in year two, you know, working under Mike Zimmer, they're, they're not sick and tired of them yet. <laughs> you right, know what right. I mean? <laughs> if, if there's no Aaron Rodgers in this division, man, the pressure for Kirk Cousins and the Vikings to win the division is, is going to be massive. As you look out, there's a couple more things, Tyler, really enjoying this conversation. And please go, go, go read uh, golongtd.com, subscribe to that. And you've got a cool uh, event coming up Friday night, too, if I'm not mistaken, uh, a happy hour chat with Peter King, someone who uh, everybody in football circles knows and respects. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Absolutely. Yeah. When you um, subscribe to, to golong, golongtd.com, I think that's one of the big perks you get access to is uh, just a chance to hang out with somebody around the NFL. We have current players on former players on, and we're going to have Peter King on Friday. So that'd be great catch all. If anybody has a football question about any player, any team um, PK is the man. I mean, he, nobody's more plugged in than him. 
obviously a great reporter, even better person. So, you know, we'll probably be about th- three, four, five beers in just BSing, <laughs> telling lies. Um, it's a lot of fun. And I mean, God, I'm, we've had Alan Robinson on, Richie Incognito, uh, Vince Williams, Andy Janovich, Isaiah McKenzie, uh, Ryan Lee from the golf course came on, Steve Tasker. So just a chance to try to bring people as close as possible to the game. Storytellers. Those guys are uh, tons of, uh, those guys are tons of fun when you, especially when you get the beverages flowing a little bit. Um, Tyler, just last thing, last thing for you, as, as you look out at the landscape of the season, any other stories on the horizon for you, anything we should be paying particular mind to? I mean, I think we touched on probably the biggest one, which is the Aaron Rodgers and how that gets resolved. But what, what else are you tracking as we, you know, go towards, you know, training camps in a month or two here? Definitely. Yeah. We'll, we'll definitely be um, trying to keep our finger on the pulse of everything in green Bay, but checking in with those sources every day, you know, everything's kind of where it's been for a few weeks, but that could change. Um, definitely been, I want to get a sense for things going on in Dallas. You know, I think that's such an intriguing team where, I mean, the pressure is always high with the Cowboys, but things are just run differently there. And they re-signed basically everybody they wanted to re-sign. So they, they've got to win. And, and guess who's in the middle of it? It's Jerry Jones. It's Mike McCarthy. It's an interesting relationship there kind of uh, brewing early on as well. So we'll look at that. Maybe look at the Ravens, Lamar. Um, there, there's so much. Like we were saying, the, the, the interest in, in football never wanes. I feel like we're in the middle of the NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs. And there's some days all anybody wants to talk about is football. So, hey, it, it makes the job fun. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad you mentioned Dallas. It's an interesting story. And I get, you know, you get those uh, odds makers sending out who's the, who's going to be the first coach fired. You see Mike McCarthy on a lot of those lists for 2021, which is strange. I feel like, you know, Jason Garrett was there. Oh yeah. Forever. He he was there Um, for like 10 years, right? He wants to fire people, but he was on that list for 10 years too. Like it always seemed like he was on the verge of getting fired. He never did. (laughs) Oh, Tyler, (laughs) Tyler Dunn, appreciate it so much for coming on today and trying to, uh, impart a little bit of the inside wisdom of what might happen in green Bay um, with Aaron Rodgers, maybe future Bronco, Aaron Rodgers, future, uh, future in Vegas, who knows, get closer to jeopardy. We'll see. Um, but uh, appreciate your time today and uh, yeah, go, go, go long. TD is definitely worth the read. Everybody go check that out and uh, continued success with that. All right. Thank you so much for having me on. This is a lot of fun. All right. Take care, Tyler. Really enjoyed that chat with, uh, with Tyler Dunn. Definitely read his stuff. Didn't really even get into some of the specifics. Next week, Packers have minicamp. Some of the drama around whether Aaron Rodgers will show up. Expected that he probably will not. Maybe Devontae Adams doesn't show up either. That would be interesting, right? If if the number one receiver kind of goes in lockstep with Aaron Rodgers. So we'll have to see how that drama unfolds. But certainly some strong comments from Tyler Dunn about where this future might be headed uh, for Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Let's end with the cooler on this very podcast. Back in March, had Thad Levine, Twins general manager, on as a guest. Gracious guest, enjoyed our conversation, a good back and forth. But I told him at that very moment, I said, Thad, I'm worried that you guys don't have enough pitching. Convince me that you have enough pitching. And he, you know, in humorous fashion, said flat out, we have enough pitching. And then laid out his case that they had enough pitching, that they thought they'd made enough moves in the offseason, that they had enough depth in the minor leagues to sustain, you know, whatever hits they were going to take along the way. Well, guess what? 56 games into this season, um, that isn't the case. Uh, And I'm not saying that to gloat. I'm not saying that to say I was right and that so far Thad Levine and the Twins are wrong. The facts will do that for me. Right now, the Twins, 
we've we've talked a lot about the bullpen and how disappointing that's been. Well, guess what? Right now, the Twins are 23rd in the major leagues in starters ERA, 4.67. The bullpen is only marginally worse, 24th in the majors at 4.70. That's basically the same exact thing. 25th overall in the majors in ERA, 4.68. And that's got to be the biggest disappointment at this point, right? Twins were 4th in the majors in ERA last season in that 60-game sprint, which means that you know we're almost to that 60-game mark in this season, and they are 25th as opposed to 4th where they were last season. And there's a lot of things that you can contribute that have contributed to that. Injuries have played a little bit of a role, but don't let it, don't let this fool you. The Twins have really had a lot of their preferred pitchers in a lot of these games. They're starting five this year. You know, Jose Barrios, Matt Shoemaker, Michael Pineda, Jay Happ, and Kenta Maeda. Yeah, they've, they've been nicked up a little bit, but they've made 49 of the Twins' 56 starts this season. That's a lot. That's a pretty high percentage. They just haven't performed. Um, Randy Dobnik's made three of the three of the other seven remaining starts. You know, another another guy that probably was next man up. So they've had, by and large, their preferred starting pitchers. And talk about the bullpen. Hansel Robles, Taylor Rogers, Alex Colomay, Tyler Duffy. They've, had, they've all had over 20 appearances this season. It's not like they haven't had their preferred guys pitching. It's not like the same thing where you, know, you had Buxton out for so long still. You had Josh Donaldson missing some early games. You've had so many injuries in the outfield here to the Twins lately. Now Mitch Garver out. The pitching, by and large, hasn't been hit as much by the injuries. It's just really been ineffectiveness and disappointment. So we'll see if the next 100-plus games shows us anything different. You know, another disappointing start by Jay Happ in a 6-5 loss to Kansas City on uh, you know, on on Thursday. That's just kind of pushing the Twins further and further towards a lost season, 22 and 34 at this point. But you know, there's been plenty of reasons for disappointment this season. Pitching at the top of that list for me right now, especially compared to where they thought it was going to be at the start of the season. That'll do it for me. Join me again next week. Hope you enjoyed all the shows this week. Catch up on it over the weekend if you can. It's going to be hot, 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 good podcast listening weather. We'll catch you again on Monday.